Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about the herb lemon balm. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own personal experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Lemon balm is a lovely plant. It's in the mint family. Its botanical name is Melissa officinalis, and it's in the Lamiaceae family, which is in the family with all of the lovely mints and lavender and oregano and thyme, and the list is endless. There are so many great mint herbs that we love to incorporate into daily living. And lemon balm is a really fun one. It's easy to grow. It has very tiny flowers. It's not a very showy plant, but it has a very bright green color and it smells amazing. Just brushing your hand across it has a really strong scent of lemon, believe it or not. It is originally native to the Mediterranean area, um, including Southern Europe, also Western Asia and Northern Africa. It is has been cultivated in the Mediterranean for over 2000 years. And as we'll see, has was a very important plant historically and is still relatively important today and I think is one of our more common Uh, herbal remedies that you can both buy in a natural pharmacy or you can grow on your own. Most people, I think, have heard of lemon balm before. Obviously, the name lemon balm, lemon comes from the lemony scent that it offers. And the word balm comes from two different sources. So balm could refer to the word balsam, which means aromatic or resinous substance. And this is a very aromatic herb. Also, balm is a substance that 
um, connotates healing or soothing. And lemon balm does indeed help to soothe uh, skin irritations, bug bites, whatnot, bee stings. And lemon balm has had a long, long, long history and a very interesting history connected with bees. Melissa, the name, the botanical name Melissa, is a Greek word that means honeybee. And that is actually derived from meli, which means honey in Greek or sweet. In the ancient goddess traditions before, you know, the whole Greek pantheon, the bees had a very important role in life and spirituality. If you think of honey and how sweet and delicious it is and how important sweet, the taste of sweet is, and how actually hard it is to find in nature. So honey was a really important food. It was easy energy, and it was also a hard to find um, food. And so bee rearing, I don't know if that's the right (laughs) word, but maintaining beehives and harvesting honey and beeswax and propolis were all really important historically. And bees had a really deep connection with the goddess in the ancient goddess traditions. And this is for a variety of reasons. And the women who tended the bees were priestesses of the Melissae. They were called Melissae priestesses. If you think of the bees and how they have this humming sound and the hum is a really important sound, both uh, psycho-spiritually. It helps us to enter into other realms and shamanic realms, just the sound of humming. There's a lot of information out there and even books about humming meditation and healing sounds. And even the om sound is a hum. And just humming can really raise the vibration of your body. You know, if you hum and put your hand on top of your head, you can feel your your skull vibrating. And this is actually very healthful, but also um, is a traditional way to help enter into more of a spiritual realm of being. So that's one reason why I believe that bees really were connected with a a very deep spirituality. And especially with the goddess spirituality, the community of the bees was, um, and the queen bee was a great representation of how women are in their relationships, in communities, in rearing families. And, and the queen bee was a representation of the goddess herself. Originally, in, in some stories, there are originally three Melissa priestesses, which represented the triple goddess. And they were often shown in that they were actually believed to be bees, or part woman and part bee. And you'll see in some old coin, gold coins and illustrations that there was this divinity of this part woman, part bee. It was also thought that one reason why bees and honey were so important in spirituality is that the honey could have been used itself to access the psychotropic realms and could have been used as um, if the bees were feeding on 
entheogenic plants, then there was a that would have been deadly for humans to consume, but there would have been a potential that there was enough properties from those plants in the honey that the bees produced that potentially once it was fermented that those would be available. And mead was the first fermented, maybe even food or definitely fermented beverage and alcoholic beverage that we know of to date and was very important in ancient Egypt, as were bees, um, very important. But that the mead itself would help as an access to the realm of the spiritual world. And it was an important role for the shaman and the priestesses, who were the shamans at that time, to tend the honeybees and the production of the honey and the mead. So that is quite interesting. I don't know how scientifically that works, but there is some information out there. If you're curious about that, you can look into it further. Then once the, you know, we start moving away from the goddess traditions and into the patriarchal realm of the Greek gods, once this happens, the bee goddess was demoted to a nymph, which, and to a daughter of a man bearing her same name, which was interesting enough. So the nymph, and a nymph is a female, or there's a multitude of nymphs, all female spirits of the natural world. And Melissa was a nymph um, who discovered and taught the use of honey and from whom bees were believed to have received their name. Bees seem to have been the symbol of nymphs and once they themselves were also sometimes called Melissa. And they were thought that the bees themselves had been metamorphosized into priestesses and then vice versa the priestesses could metamorphosize into bees there were it was said that zeus as an infant was nursed by the nymph melissa and was given honey and then also was also nursed by her sister almathea who gave him goat's milk so he was fed on goat's milk and honey and these two sisters, the Melissa and Amalthea, were said to be daughters of a Cretan king named Melissus. So again, it, in the transition from the ancient earth-based goddess realm and the Melissa then turned into that word became the word for the honeybee and then their father was then, you know, of course they had to come from a man, so, and a king, so then the father was kind of given her name. From what I could tell, it's it's a very deep rabbit hole if you want to start searching. You could get lost in that realm for a while, but I find it really, really interesting. The So then from there, the name Melissa re was referred to priestesses in general, but more especially to those who honored Demeter, who's the goddess of the harvest, and Persephone, goddess of the underworld, and Artemis. And they were the beekeepers as well. Not the goddesses, but the priestesses to these goddesses. And the bees had a strong connection with the underworld and with death and birth. It was often thought that souls were carried in bees and were brought to humans by bees. So very interesting. 
but the lemon balm itself has a particularly attractive nature to bees and is known to keep them close at hand. And this is one reason this interesting relationship between this plant lemon balm and bees themselves um, are what then gave lemon balm the genus name Melissa. In the 16th century, and probably long before this, but definitely at that point, lemon balm was rubbed on beehives to encourage bees to both make honey and also to stay to the hive and to attract bees to new hives. And it's actually still done today, or people will grow lemon balm around beehives. It's been actually shown, and the reason why this is, is that so bees have 15 pheromone glands, And the release of pheromones for them play a really important role in how they communicate with each other and how they organize hive activity. So when they are establishing a new home for their colony, bees secrete a chemical from a specific gland, the Nosinov gland, which um, is, and I believe the actual pheromone or the chemical that they secrete is citrol and geraniol, which are volatile oils. And these are also chemicals that are found in lemon balm scent, specifically, along with other plants. But now, to this day, these two chemicals, citral and geraniol, are made synthetically and are used in large-scale bee production and honey production to attract bees to the hives and to keep them at the hives. For the bees, the lemon balm also offers them nectar, as well as the scent that associates them to their home. So once again, if you grow lemon balm around beehives, it really helps to give the bees food, but then attracts swarms to your beehive as well and keeps them from leaving. Historically, um, Arabs were among the first to extol the virtues of lemon balm. It was uh, featured in Middle Eastern remedies for people with epilepsy, mental illness, debilitating anger, lethargy, and melancholy. And in the 14th century, um, there was a French king, Charles V, who was known to drink lemon balm tea every day to keep his health. And he also had a well-known herbal remedy made for him by his nuns, called Carmelite water, which is still made today. And it was one of the first medicinal herbal remedies that was bottled and sealed and sold and promoted in the time. So this is in the 1300s when it was given to King Charles. Carmelite water is a lemon balm and lemon peel. It's a little bit of nutmeg and coriander and angelica root. It was useful for nervousness and agitation or to relieve depression um, and heart pains or heart palpitations or just to help to um, regulate the heartbeat. It was also picked up later by the multiple King Louis of France too. And I think that's when it became more of like a bottled remedy from my understanding. But it was it was a remedy that women of the of the castles would carry around with them all the time and could smell that scent of the lemon balm and it would ease the nerves. And it was also used as a perfume as well.
It was called Eau de Melisse and then became Carmelite water, named after the Carmelite nuns who created it. Also, lemon balm historically, Paracelsus, a Swiss physician who lived in the early 1500s and a really well-known kind of upbringer of herbal pharmacy and alchemy. He was in the 1500s and he also really promoted lemon balm. He thought it was an herb that could give a long life and that it could completely revitalize people. He believed that lemon balm to be the one and only herb anyone would need because it had so many benefits. There's a quote from him that says, essence of balm given in carnery wine every morning will renew youth, strengthen the brain, relieve languishing nature, and prevent baldness. Oddly enough. Um, So it has a nice strong history in use. And I think that these herbs that are very strongly scented, it you know, makes sense that they attracted people and, and became very popular herbal remedies. There is also a um, Prince Llewellyn of Galmorgan, could be totally saying that wrong, who supposedly drank lemon balm tea every day and lived to be 108 years old. So lemon balm is very sweet and lemony. It has a very slightly bitter flavor to it. Um, It's slightly cooling and some people say that it's moistening and some people say that it's drying. So to me, that means it's very mild and relatively neutral herb in that regard. Lots of herbal actions. So we'll go through some of these and then I'll go through um, each different kind of body system and how lemon balm could be beneficial for that body system. But I think it's good to talk about herbal actions and the specific words if you're interested in herbalism, because you can really start, if you just can look at the herbal actions of the word, then you can know, well, it could be helpful in these different arenas already without having to dive deeper into the specific body systems. So one of the actions is it's a carminative. So carminative is helps to relieve gas and bloating. And it actually comes from the Italian word carmine, which means to sing. So it kind of helps you sing out your gas, if you would. Uh, antispasmodic, which also is often related to being a carminative. So it helps to relieve spasms. Usually this could be in lots of different areas in the body. It's a sedative, antidepressant. It's a diaphoretic, which means it helps to um, bring on a sweat and then reduce and is cooling to the body. Uh, Antiviral, immune stimulant, or I would say maybe immune supportive. Uh, Hypotensive, so it helps to reduce uh, high blood pressure. Anti-inflammatory, which we always need more anti-inflammatories in our repertoire. Anxiolytic, so helps to reduce anxiety. Antihistamine, helps to reduce that histamine reaction, uh, which is very inflammatory. And anesthetic, so it's pain relieving. And antioxidant, so helps to reduce oxidative stress on our body, our cells, and can slow, slow aging. 
it contains a bunch of volatile oils, um, as we were talking about for the bees, and it's just very apparent as you when you brush your hand across the lemon balm. So citral, geranial, neural, citronellol, eugenol, linalool, limonene. It's funny because it's very high in volatile oils, but it actually those volatile oils dissipate really quickly. So when you dry lemon balm, it doesn't really last a super long time and you have to dry it properly to maintain some of that scent and those oils because the oils are a lot of the medicine of the plant. The essential oil of lemon balm is extremely expensive and is often diluted either with like a carrier oil to sell so it's more affordable or is manipulated with some um, citronella oil one of the cheaper but still citrusy scented oils so just be aware of that also contains some tannins and a little bit of bitter substances and some flavonoids which are your antioxidants and triterpenoids so lemon balm has lots of benefits that it can offer us other than just those actions. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Stick with me and I'll be right back. liver, the lemon balm is known to support our liver function and help to produce um, antioxidants from our liver. It also is a nice mild effect on digestion. Again, we were saying it was mildly bitter and antispasmodic. So it can relieve all kinds of digestive spasms, gas, cramping in the intestines, release some bloating, it's also known to help to uh, both prevent and treat diabetes, helps to control blood sugar levels, and protects against oxidative stress caused by diabetes in that antioxidant action that it has. Any sort of digestive woes that are caused by anxiety or stress, which is super common, you know, we feel a lot of things in our gut. Or can be really helped with lemon balm because not only does it aid in digestion, but it is super, super beneficial for our nervous system. Lemon balm is considered a nervous system tonic, and the volatile oils of it are one of the main medicinal com components that really help to soothe and calm our nervous system, and as well as uplift the spirits. We know that like citrusy, lemony, light, airy scent is can really automatically just kind of lighten the heart and in, improve the mood. So lemon balm specifically is known to relieve nervousness, anxiety, panic attacks, if you have any like tensions that are from your stress and anxiety or just body tensions, even things like stage fright or feelings of overwhelm, mild mood funks, and even a deeper depression or just general stress, all can be 
help to be alleviated by ingesting lemon balm or even just smelling lemon balm. Lemon balm is also known to help people who are dealing with insomnia and can help provide a deep and restful sleep, especially if you were to drink some tea maybe you know 30 minutes before you want to sleep or before you start getting ready for bed. A nice evening after dinner lemon balm tea or lemon balm cordial could, ha- could perhaps be very beneficial. Any sort of heart palpitations that are caused by stress and anxiety, lemon balm can help to ease. And one of the essential oils or volatile oils that lemon balm has is eugenol, which is also very commonly found in clove. And so it's known to be very pain relieving. It's not as dominant as it is in cloves, but it can um, help to relieve headaches and migraines help to ease vertigo and buzzing in the ears, and also help to treat a toothache. So even just um, maybe working with fresh lemon, lemon balm leaves and kind of macerating them and holding them on a sore tooth in your mouth could be helpful. So not only just directly with the nervous system, but there's a lot of benefits that lemon balm can offer our brain, and it can help to increase mental alertness and promote a positive attitude along with that. So, I mean, again, you just smell lemon balm and it just kind of like wakes you up, wakes you up a little bit. And then also drinking lemon balm tea or taking some other remedy could also be helpful for that. Not only that, but it protects the brain against powerful stimuli, stimuli, like if you just are feeling very overly stimulated or if you're very jumpy or if you, you have like you go to work and you have you just feel overstimulated at work from computer screens or a loud, angry boss or doors slamming or sirens outside the door if you live in a city or what have you. It can really just help to center and ground and not be as easily affected by these stimulations. Lemon balm's also been shown to protect against senility and mental decline. It actually helps to prevent the breakdown of acetylcholine, which is a neurotransmitter that's really important for brain function. It also has been shown to reduce damage from plaque that form plaque forming proteins um, that are found in Alzheimer's disease and can also reduce um, the agitation that is related to Alzheimer's or those like anxious feelings or anger, stress, irritability that comes with the Alzheimer's symptoms. Regular use over time of lemon balm can increase cognitive function and improves memory and problem solving for people of all ages, all ages and health levels. It can improve cognitive performance and also increase attention span. So thinking about this, you could see how it would be really useful for children who are in school, college students, people who have really um, mentally demanding jobs. And it's also very beneficial for children or adults who are um, dealing with ADD or ADHD, lack of attention or hyperactivity 
in general. So really calming, soothing, but also helps to bring alertness and focus. Lemon balm also has some benefits to our cardiovascular system. It's a tonic to the cardiovascular system. It also is a vasodilator, which means it helps to the veins to kind of be a little bit more flexible and open, which helps to reduce high blood pressure. It's also been shown to lower triglycerides and improve cholesterol synthesis. And as I said earlier, it can ease heart palpitations, especially when they are triggered by stress and anxiety, but also can help uh, people who are dealing with tachycardia and general arrhythmias. I'd say one of the most common uses and ways that people understand lemon balm is that it can enhance immunity. And it is antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal, thanks to all of those volatile oils in it because again those volatile oils in a lot of ways um, are the plant's immune system because they are so antimicrobial we also learn side note here that volatile oils are a way of plants for plants to communicate uh, both with themselves but this is an ex- lemon balm's an excellent example of how it can work with its volatile oils it can use its volatile oils to communicate and attract bees and its pollinators to come and pollinate its flowers so that it can um, reproduce readily, which I think is awesome. So antiviral, it's been really shown to be effective against herpes virus, especially topically on herpes sores. And so I know when I worked in the natural pharmacy, there were a variety of lemon balm chapsticks or topical things that you could apply to herpes sores. And I think that's mostly where the science is. A lot of people have taken that, extracted that information and then said, well, maybe if it helps topically, it can also help internally. So a lot of people do work with lemon balm internally to fight um, viruses, colds, flus, maybe not as effective as it is topically, but um, against chicken pox and shingles, which are others, herpes viruses also, it could be helpful, but I would definitely work with it topically. And then it doesn't hurt to also work with it internally for sure. Um, It does have some other immune benefits as well as like cooling. So it can help cool the body temperature, Um, both on hot summer days. It makes like just a really nice iced tea or a sun tea, especially made from the fresh leaves because again those volatile oils degrade really quickly over time and it can also help to lower a fever. The tea has been shown to potentially stop the division of tumor cells and it's also just a really nice herb for a child who has a cold or a flu, not only because it's calming and maybe soothe some agitation, it could help break a fever and then just overall support the immune system. Also very beneficial for respiratory health. So if there's a cough or excess mucus, that antispasmodic property can really help calm the lungs, especially for excessive coughing or uh, for people who are working to help alleviate their asthma. Again, this antispasmodic property is so beneficial, we said, in our digestive system 
and in our respiratory system, but also in our female reproductive system where it can be antispasmodic to the uterus if we're having menstrual cramping or other cramping in the uterus, and also to help relieve PMS that like, you know, the all that agitation and nervous system issues that we get around PMS time just to help calm and soothe. And even like if you're feeling that debilitating anger almost or anger that for no good reason, um, lemon balm could be a really beneficial ally for that as well. And I would say another one of the most popular things that people know that lemon balm helps with is um, for thyroid, for people that are dealing with overactive thyroid. So it can really help to inhibit an overdrive of thyroid hormone um, in thyroid disease. So it inhibits hyperthyroid function through a variety of mechanisms. It um, combined with the TSH receptors, inhibiting thyroid hormone production, and also preventing thyroid hormone conversion from T4 to T3. It also prevents autoantibodies from binding to the TSH receptors, making it particularly useful for treating Graves' disease. It also is, you know, there's a lot of symptoms that are commonly observed that are tied along with hyperthyroid, and lemon balm tends to work really well just by easing those symptoms as well, not necessarily even dealing with the thyroid, but symptoms of the insomnia, the anxiety, the agitation, um, stress-related heart palpitations, panic attacks, tachycardia, all these things like lemon balm already we know and have heard that it can be beneficial for people dealing with those, and then as well as the thyroid overdrive. So something to really consider working with if you're dealing with that. Generally, people say that if you are hypothyroid or if you have an underactive thyroid, um, that you probably don't want to ingest a lot of lemon balm, although it's only known to very rarely aggravate hypothyroid. Again, it's just, it would just be, I mean, it's not like you need lemon balm unless if it's already really helping you um, in other ways, it might not be an issue because again, herbs are more modulating in general. They're not going to drive our body away from a healthy state. They're going to be more driving it to a healthy state. Something to consider and just to keep an eye out and know. It, you know, a lot of people for safety's sake, they say just avoid it in cases of hypothyroidism or if you're on thyroid medication because it can be affecting the same pathways as the thyroid meds. Lemon balm, you know, hence the word balm, is also really beneficial for our skin. Not only does it offer antioxidants that can help to, you know, prevent the aging of the skin, but also can be wound healing. It can relieve itch and pain from insect bites and bee stings, which is interesting enough, like if you have lots of lemon balm growing around your beehives, not only can it attract the bees, but if you are to get stung by them, then it can be a nice balm on the bee sting itself. It can also be beneficial against uh, blemishes or minor skin infections, and again, for any herpes sores that 
Generally, it's said to avoid lemon balm in pregnancy. It might have, you know, I mean, most herbs, they say just to be on the safe side, avoid during pregnancy in large amounts. And then also avoid in cases of glaucoma, because apparently the volatile oil uh, raises, has the ability or potential to raise ocular pressure at low doses. So there's lots of different ways that you can work with this wonderful plant. It's a really easy plant to grow and is readily available in most plant nurseries or farm stands. So you can harvest it just before it starts flowering when the leaves are still really big and the plant is large. Once it starts to flower, the leaves get smaller and kind of more spread out on the stalk and it just gets more leggy. Although if you have to harvest it when it's flowering, that's fine too. You can grow it in your garden. It it actually likes a little bit of shade, not full shade, but it can handle some part shade. Sometimes full sun is a little too much for it, um, but not necessarily. Uh, rich, It likes rich, moist garden soil, and it also would like to have some room to spread. It can spread a little bit on runners underground, like a lot of mints, but it also produces a ton of seeds, I guess, obviously, because it attracts a ton of pollinators. But lots of lots of little tiny flowers that go all up the stem. So lots of opportunity for lots of seeds to be created. And again, it, so it easily loses its volatile oils in drying. And once it's dried, you know, the dried herb probably wouldn't last for years on end. Um, and maybe not even for one year. So just, you know, you want to dry it quickly and then you want to store it in an airtight storage vessel so that any volatile oils that are in it don't escape. And I would even wait um, to do any of the stripping the leaves from the stems until right when you're going to use it because that often will release the volatile oils. But generally, great to work with fresh. So as a fresh tea, if you have a lot of lemon balm growing, you could just use the leaves um, in, in hot water and let it steep for a few, for 20 minutes or so and strain it out and drink it. Or uh, sun tea is delicious. Iced tea, again, it's nice and cooling drink. You could combine it with some other mints or maybe some rose petals or something delicious like that. There is, um, you can make a lemon balm syrup or just infuse your lemon balm in honey, which just seems like the perfect match because it is so associated with bees and honey. So you just take your fresh lemon balm leaves and you cut them up um, as finely as you can and you put them in a jar so you lightly pack the jar. You wanna put as much leaves as you can, but you don't want it to be solidly packed. Um, but definitely as full as you can get it without making it super dense because you want there to be room for actually the honey to get in there. And then slowly pour in honey and stir the honey in with the leaves until eventually all the leaves are coated with honey and there's a little layer of honey on the top. And then cover it with a tight lid and just let it sit. And you'll notice the honey will draw out the liquids and the oils from the lemon balm and will get a lot water, more watery. And that's fine. 
And then you can, and then that's a great way to store your lemon balm. And then you could make lemon balm tea with that honey all winter long. So you could just, you are leaving the fresh herbs in the honey. You just have to make sure that they're always covered with honey to preserve them. You can even store it in the fridge if you want, um, or if you're concerned of it fermenting, if there's a lot of moisture content that's extracted from the leaves into the honey, then you might get a little fermenty experiment. And putting it in the fridge will definitely slow that. But you could just take a teaspoon of the leaves themselves and the honey and put it in your teacup and pour hot water over it in like the middle of December or something and have this beautiful honey lemon balm tea. And Or you could make a lemon balm oxymel. So you would take that honey, your jar of honey, and instead of only putting honey in the jar with the lemon, le- lemon balm leaves, you would also add apple cider vinegar to that jar. And I like the ratio of two-thirds vinegar and one-third honey. But you can do whatever ratio you like. And it's just really important to remember that if you're going to be working with herbal vinegars, especially if you're using fresh plant material, it's important to pasteurize your vinegar because apple cider vinegar, especially if you're using a variety from a health food store or organic or, you know, they really promote that the mother is that the vinegar is still alive and the mother is still in there, which is great. But if you're making herbal things, you know, you already are making, it already has living cultures on those leaves. And those living cultures might not get along with the living cultures in your vinegar. And your remedy could have issues at that point. So it doesn't hurt the vinegar. Just put it in a non-metal pot or a ceramic line pot, Pyrex pot, and bring it up to a quick boil and then take it off the heat. Bring it back to room temperature. It's good to go. Make your oxymel with it. You could even just have lemon balm infused vinegar if you wanted. You would get the minerals from it and you'd get the volatile oils from it. It would give you a nice citrusy vinegar that you could then put on your salads or make fun marinades with or um, salad dressings with. Lots of options there. We talked about how lemon balm is beneficial for people dealing with insomnia or having a hard time falling asleep from stress or overthinking brain. And so some people will put lemon balm, it would have to be dried lemon balm into a sleep pillow, Um, you know, an herbal pillow, maybe some lavender, some lemon balm, something like that. And then as you crush it over time, it will release some of those volatile oils. The tea, not only the fresh tea, but you can use um, lemon, dried lemon balm leaves to make a dried lemon balm tea. That's fine. In the middle of the winter, it just won't be as flavorful. Uh, tincture. I really like working with lemon balm tincture. So I just take my lemon balm, chop it up and infuse it in hundred proof vodka. And I find that works really well. A lot of people also like to make glycerites with the lemon balm because it is such a sweet and delicious herb that when you mix it with the sweet vegetable glycerite, it also um, is just yummy. And so that would also be nice for children if you don't want to deal with tinctures in children. 
although at the doses rate that you get that you do tinctures you know the amount of alcohol is so minimal that it's especially if you're using 100 proof vodka and you're just using like a dropper full it's such a small amount of alcohol it really doesn't have an alcohol effect on children okay baths so you can take that lemon balm tea and you can make a really strong tea and pour a bunch of it into your bath or if you have a whole lot of lemon balm in your garden which is quite possible because it spreads so readily just chop a bunch down and if you're taking a bath you can just put the fresh leaves in your bath leave them on the stem um, so that's easy to take out of the bath and it won't clog your bathtub drain and then you could even, you know, rub your body down, use it as an exfoliant in the bath, the actual plant. As I was saying, the essential oil of lemon balm is so very expensive and often adulterated with either lemon oil or citronella. And again, I don't promote the use of essential oils. I think that they're way too concentrated anyway. But just to give you an idea, I looked on Amazon real quick and one twelfth of an ounce of lemon balm went for $45. And then there was another brand that was organic lemon balm. And it was also at like a very tiny, tiny bottle, but it would have been, if you were to buy a full ounce, it would have been $441 for an ounce of organic lemon balm essential oil, which tells me that it takes a whole lot of plants to create that essential oil. Also, um, but you can find hydrosols, which are the kind of the byproduct from the essential oil making. So it's the water that's still in the still, I guess. It's the water that, you know, they take the essential oil off the top of. They skim the essential oil off the top and in of the hydrosol. So the hydrosol still has some of the volatile oils in it, but it's not super concentrated. So rose water is a hydrosol and you can get lemon balm water or hydrosol, which I'm really, I was really intrigued so I actually found some and ordered some. So I'm, I think it would be really fun as like a spritz or on skin, just uh, for skin health. I'm going to try it out, see what I think. Um, so lemon balm also, not only all of those different medicinal herb preparations that you can work with, but also it's great in food. So added to fresh, added to fruit salads or um, fish, chicken, um, different types of drinks, mocktails, cocktails. You could even make a fun cordial um, or an elixir with your lemon balm tincture and honey, um, iced tea, whatever. Lots of fun ways that you can incorpor incorporate fresh lemon balm onto your dinner or lunch table. So I hope that this podcast has inspired you to connect more with lemon balm or to go out and take a big whiff of it from your garden or go find some. You can still plant it in the fall and it will come back in the spring. You might even find some on sale right now at a plant nursery. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you. If you appreciate me too, I would love a five-star rating or and or a short review off you listen on uh, Apple Podcasts. I really value your feedback. 
Uh, You can also subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find me and connect with me more on Instagram or Facebook or my website, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. There's also an option if you want to connect with me personally and talk to me. I do offer uh, private classes one-on-one via Zoom or FaceTime or phone or what have you, where we can talk about whatever questions you have pertaining to health and herbs. I would love to connect with you that way. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.